Would you open God's precious holy word to John chapter 14, and we've come to verse 15. Remember the swimming pool party Wednesday night. No activities here. If you want to see the pastor jump from the high dive, you can forget about it. (laughs) But we'll have a good time anyway. Of course, this is the discourse that starts in the previous chapter there in the upper room. It begins with Christ washing the disciples' feet. And he uses that to teach them. It is the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper. There are other things that the other three gospels talk about that happened on that night. But in the gospel of John, Christ reveals that one of them will betray him. And he shows John and Peter that it is Judas. Christ dismisses Judas after the devil has come into him. What you do, do quickly. I can imagine that it was fury in the eyes of heaven itself as he would have drawn Judas close to his face, who now is filled with Satan. What you do, do quickly. It was a command, an imperative. So Satan was dismissed and there are 11 left. Christ had taught them in the previous chapter of John 13, I believe it was, that he was going to die. Of course, there were other places that he had taught them this very thing. Had already explained to them what a cruel and horrible death, how he was going to be betrayed and the Jewish leaders were going to come against him and the Roman leaders were going to come against him and he would be crucified. But on the third day, he would rise again. Now with Judas having been revealed as the traitor, the disciples, the 11 who are left, become even more bewildered and Christ would begin this chapter. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Also believe in me. And then he talks to them about, he talks to them about the great dwelling places that will be ours. He gives them the promise that he has to go away. And in the context, he says, I, gotta, I have to go to the Father. And where I'm going, you can't go. So Jesus was going to leave them. He had been everything to them for three years. But he's going to leave them. This would trouble them even further. I must go to the Father. And then they asked the question, tell us about the Father. And Jesus said, you, you mean I've been with you these three years and you still don't understand. And Christ plainly tells them, the Father is in me and I'm in the Father. 
And if you see me, you see the Father. Christ is giving the great doctrine of Trinitarianism that comes to its fullest manifestation in the time of the church. And the introduction of it is here in these verses. We've already seen about the Father and the Son being one. Paul writes to the Colossians and he speaks of Jesus as, as being the manifestation of the fullness of the, of the Godhead bodily. So now we've had Christ's teaching on the Father and the Son. You can't see the Father, but you can see the Son. Christ is with them physically. So they can see him, hear him, feel him, and know that he's there. But he said he's going to leave. Now what? What will Christ say to further comfort them? Well, this is where he continues in his teaching of the Godhead. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. How are we going to be seen as Christians? What is it that designates us and differentiates us in this world? It is that we, like the old song has said, we trust and obey. Now, I'll tell you something about the Christian life. When in the course of time, God calls you to himself. And physically, you make a profession of faith and regeneration comes as, as father had foreordained, as the father had foreordained. But this is something that happens in time and it is expressed and it is Testified to by baptism, water baptism. Spirit baptism comes when that, when that gift of confession and repentance are made publicly known and God works in us such that we are drawn to the Son and we are placed in Christ. And it's a beautiful scene of salvation. We don't know everything that there is to know about the commandments of the New Testament when we are saved. We ignorantly don't do some things that we're commanded to do until we learn them. And the Holy Spirit teaches them to us. So it's a, it's a process of sanctification and growth in Christ. We come as babes in Christ, but then we grow in Christ. And here's what Christ says of a true believer. One thing will reveal you in this world as being my disciple. That you will be in pursuit of what I have taught. And in that pursuit, once discovered, my commandments will be obeyed because you trust me. Trust and obey. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. 
how am I going to have the power to do this in this world? Now Christ gives his teaching. He's given his teaching of father and son. Now he gives his teaching of the Holy Spirit. And I will ask the father. Six things about the Holy Spirit introduced here in this passage, 15, 16, and 17. Number one, the Holy Spirit is a gift from the Father. I will ask the Father and he will give you. Number two, he is another of the same kind. Now up here, there's a, there's a Greek word and it says, there it is, uh, here, alum, alum, translated another. Two words can be translated another. One is heteros. Heteros means another of a different kind, heteros. But this is a different word, alum. This word means another of the same kind. He will give you another helper. Paracleton. It's from the root parakaleo. Two words in that compound word. Para means alongside. Para. Kaleo means to call. One who is called alongside. He will give you another, and here I translate it helper, because what they need right now is they could have been, could have been translated strengthener or encourager. The Holy Spirit is given by Christ to his disciple. To be alongside us. He's spoken of in many ways in the New Testament. He's an encourager. Are you depressed? Pray. The Holy Spirit will encourage you. Are you confused with a scripture? Pray. And the one called alongside you will be your teacher. Are you weak? And need strength in, a, in a, a situation, perhaps facing temptation. Pray, and the one who is called alongside will strengthen you and encourage you. So he's a helper. Are you, are you, are you bereaved? Are you sad? Are you depressed in some way? Pray, and the one called alongside you will be a comforter. We can, I mean, you know, he's, he's an advocate. Do you need help in a difficult situation as a Christian? He will be your advocate. However you need him, that's what the word means. He's called alongside. And you can translate it a hundred or more different ways. Whatever is needed in your life at that time, that's what he is called alongside to do. He does 
whatever is needed in the life of a believer. But it can't be Christ because Christ is going to the Father. Christ is physical. Christ can't be with you everywhere you go physically. He must go to the Father. He must intercede for us. He must go to heaven. He must put on that great high priest robe that is revealed in the Revelation chapter 1. He must be there to be our lawyer, to be our intercessor. That's what he must do. So he can't be with us everywhere. How then will God be with us? Christ says, I will send you another of the same kind. Jesus, it's like God. So where I am, Christ is. That's what he made the promise at the end of Matthew. Where I am with you always. Even to the end of the age. Christ promises to give one who will be called alongside, who is like him. Jesus is always with us. That's what he tells. He says to them, he says, I'm going to give you another one who is just like me. Thus the word in the inspired Greek text, alon, not heteros, but alon, another of the same kind. I'm in the father. The father is in me. We're the same kind. Now, the helper, another of the same kind, he's the Holy Spirit. Note the third thing, that he may be with you into the age. It, it probably is, trans, it could be translated forever, forever. It's Aiston uh, Eona. Into the forever, into the age of age of age. This is a great teaching of Christ. The language bears it out. The Holy Spirit only comes once and he comes forever. I have been caused to be born again, as Peter writes it in his epistle. I have been caused to be born again. That doesn't ever happen again. It only happens once. There's never another need for it to happen again. It only happens once. So Christ says, he is with you forever. Christ is with me forever. That's what he's saying. I'm sending you the helper. He's another of the same kind. It's me, but it's the Holy Spirit. And he will be with you forever. He will come once and forever. That's it. Number four, the Spirit of truth. Just previous verses earlier, Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. Truth, absolute truth. I haven't lived in all ages of history, but I can tell you this, I cannot imagine an age of history in which there is more delusion than there is today. When, when, when the highest officers of the land cannot even define a woman, we're in trouble. A reprobate mind. You know, we talked about, we're, the, the Bible talks about that. A reprobate mind is one that's flipped upside down and inside out. A reprobate mind is crazed Irrational, 
idiocy. So confused by the father of lies, they can't even reason the most basic things and refuse to. This is why more than ever before, those of us who call ourselves to be in Christ, we claim to be in Christ, had better jealously guard our position in the truth. We must declare within ourselves and before the world that there is one and only one absolute truth, and that is the word of God. And if anything opposes that, it's wrong. Listen to me. I will send you the spirit of truth. People have read that and they think it's just, okay, well, okay. But it's never meant more to me than it does today. In the greater context of this whole thing, and we still have some of it to come, Jesus says, I'll, he'll bring to your mind, we'll study this later here, but he says, I'm going to bring to your, the spirit will bring to your mind everything you'll remember, you'll be brought to your mind. and Thus, they will be the authors of the New Testament. The New Testament teaches this, and this is truth. The Father is true, the Son is truth, and He sends the Holy Spirit who is true. The definition of truth itself. So, the Father declares within Himself what is truth. Manifests that truth through the Son, who in that truth sends the Spirit. And the Spirit, God breathed scriptures, Paul calls them. The Spirit controls the minds and the fingers of the apostles who give to us the New Testament. As he did the prophets of old. Truth comes to us absolutely from the Godhead. God the Father sends it in the teachings of God the Son who then sends the Holy Spirit and implants it in the minds of the New Testament writers. We'll see more about this as we go through this particular passage later, not today. And here is truth. And the truth says it of itself. If you assail... If you attack the Holy Scripture, you have assaulted the Holy Trinity of God. You've called the Father a liar, you've called the Son a liar, and you've called the Holy Spirit a liar. And you're on dangerous ground when you call the Holy Spirit a liar. That teeters on the brink of an unpardonable sin. 
that can never be forgiven in this life or the next. Never. The spirit of truth. He will give to us what we need. He says to his 11 who will write it and then it's transferred and sent. And today we have it. Bless God in heaven. We have his word. The spirit is of no private or singular interpretation. Anybody that stands up and claims to have a word from God that is not directly from the word of God is a liar. I don't need a private interpretation. All I need is the book. And that's all. Christ makes the promise. The Father gives, gives to the Son the truth. He is the truth, the way, the life. He comes. He teaches to correct the horrible mistakes of Judaism and to present to the world that we are lost and we cannot be saved in our own behavior. We have to have a savior. There's nothing we can do that is righteous. We can never of ourselves make ourselves righteous. We need Christ and the righteousness of Christ to enswathe us that we might be saved. And this is the truth. It is the gospel of truth. And I think this is one of the most important things that the church needs to understand, perhaps above all other things. Oh, that my grandchildren, my children, I think, have a grasp of it. They're better. Don't make me angry. You won't like me when I'm angry. But my grandchildren, look at what they're surrounded with. The horrible delusion of immorality and perversion, falsehood and lies. And it comes, through the, it comes to them from their teachers. It comes to them from their books. It comes to them in their cartoons. It comes to them in their magazines. It comes to them from every corner in which they live. There is never a time more important than this time when Christians and especially young Christians need to understand the importance of absolute truth and the poison of delusion. Because, here's number five, because the world is not able to receive that truth. The world can't receive it. They have no they, they, they have no ability of discernment. None. Government institutions live for falsehood. They live for a lie. Public schools, secular writings, all of these things have no ability to understand truth. You have to be born again for the Bible to mean anything to you. I'm not surprised when, pe when people in, in high places declare that they disdain the Bible and don't accept it and because they can't help themselves. They're immersed in the fallen nature of Adam 
And unless and until they are born again, with, re with regeneration comes, they'll never be able to understand it. That's why we should thank God on our faces every day that we have a love for holy writ, that we endear the Bible, that every word of it means everything to us, everything to us. So he's the spirit of truth and the world just can't receive it. There's no worldly organization or institution. You look at them, they'll, they'll soon reveal themselves. And they do. It's interesting to me today, they hate Israel and they hate the church. The very, the very two bodies about which most is written in the scriptures. To whom are given irrevocable promises. Whom the world is not able to receive because it does not see nor know him. You cannot create your way of salvation. You can't build a tower of Babel. It's just important. It's, un, it, it's, it's impossible. And important for us to know that we cannot trust anything apart from God's holy word. Just can't trust it. That's why it's important for believers to stay close together with one another because even the best of us can be fooled if we're not careful. Christ said of the close of the age, if I didn't put a stop to this, even the elect would be deceived. That's how strong the assault is from hell. Satan, what does Christ call him? He's a liar and a murderer. He's the father of lies. But he gives to us through these disciples the spirit of truth and the world doesn't know it. Doesn't know him. Cannot see him. But you know him. Number six. Because he is in you. Now let's carry that from the from the last supper table, let's carry that into the book of Acts and into the present day. The gospel goes, the great commission is carried from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the farthest places of the world. And the church is everywhere and the church Each of us individually and the church together, we are the temple of God today. God resides in the church. That's why we're, that's why we're driven to do the things that we do. That's why we are so easily convicted of sin. That's why we spend so much time in confession and repentance That's why the Bible is so important. That's why corporate worship is so important. Because of the spirit who is in us. Christ says here essentially what he says is, I can't be in you. But I will send him who is me, like me, and he can be in you. He will abide in you. 
Paul writes to the Ephesians, remember? He says he's given as a pledge. He's a gift. And he is a pledge. He is a guarantee that we live forever, that we are in Christ. He guarantees it. And he's there for however we need him, whenever we need him, and we, we need him all the time. Finally, five things here. Probably some of the, the disciples are, are weeping that, that Jesus would go away and they can't come with him. What's going to happen to us? You've been our everything for three years. I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you fatherless. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. Promise of Christ. Day of Pentecost. Oh, day of Pentecost. Yet a little while. Number three. The world sees me no more. Number four. But you see me. You see, there was a visible declaration of the presence of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And the Spirit-filled disciples, the apostles, would declare the truth of what had happened. And then now, today... We don't need what they had back then because we have the completed scriptures. We have the completion of the Bible. You cannot add to it. You better not take away from it. That's what Jesus said in the Revelation. Don't add to this book. This is the last one. There won't be another epistle or letter or gospel of any kind. There won't be any more Prophets, nor would there be any more apostles. One of, the, one of the requirements of being an apostle was to have visibly seen Christ. Christ says the time comes then when we see him because he's in us. Number five, because I live, you will live also, so important for us to understand our separation from the world. A separation behooved within us by the presence of the Holy Spirit who protects us, who takes up residence in us. The presence of God in these days. You know, Paul writes to the Thessalonians about the close of the age. He, in the greater teaching of his letters to the Thessalonians, he's teaching about the rapture of the church. And he uses a masculine and a neuter. And he says, these things can't happen until he who restrains and that which restrains have been removed from the world. 
And that's when the church is removed from the, the work of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit as he abides in the church. Now, the Holy Spirit's always here all the time. But as he abides in the church and works through the church, that's taken away with the rapture of the church. And if you then study the book of the Revelation after the church of Laodicea is described, there's no more church. You don't see it anywhere from the rest of the Revelation. The church then is the bride. And if you will forgive my earthenness, all hell breaks loose on planet earth. When he who restrains and that which restrains have been taken out of the way. When salt and light are no longer present. But you see me because I live, you will live also. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? The Father is in the Son, the Son is in the Father. The Spirit is in the Father and the Son. The Father sends forth the Son, the Son sends forth the Spirit. Today we are in Christ and Christ is in us. Jesus Christ is in us. He walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. The joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Christ has introduced in a way that the Old Testament saints could not have understood the doctrine of Trinitarianism. Three in one. And God, listen to me. Because God saved me in Christ. And God placed me in Christ. And because the Spirit has baptized me into the church and I've been immersed by the grace of God. God is in me. He promised it. The Holy Spirit, the presence of God, is in the body of the believer. No greater thing can I know than to tell you if you would be saved. The presence of God not only comes to abide in you in this life, but abides with you forever. In just a moment, we'll stand and we'll be dismissed from this room in prayer. (coughs) But if you're here today without Christ, 
May I say, as the Holy Spirit of God speaks to your heart, as you exit, you will see that we have deacons and their wives in the rooms right across the hall waiting to pray with you. And to open the word of God with you. If you're here today and you're already a Christian and the Lord is leading you into this body of believers. They're there for you as well. As God speaks to you. You come. Let's stand together prayerfully and we'll be dismissed in prayer.